guys, it's still daylight outside. <laughs> it's unusual for the mm-hmm. past couple of weeks. Yes. No more. No. No midnight session this time. Well, not yet. Let's <laughs> not press our luck. Knocking on wood. I think it's fake wood, but uh, fake wood, but it still counts, right? It'll work. So I heard you have a 15-page story for me today. It's 12, but... My bad. Yeah. 12 pages. Yeah. 15 if you included your pictures. No, it would have been like 20 if I included my pictures. Oh, my God. There's quite a few pictures, but I'm just going to make you go to the website this time. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I accept that. Yeah. This is just, uh, We're getting right into stories this week? We should have waited to the page number until after we introduced the podcast. Oh, because now everyone's like clicking off. They're like, oh, too much for me today. Yeah. Well, I'm Brandy. And I'm Mike. And this, this is, is Sunshine, Sunshine and Murder. I do have a 12-page story for you today. Okay, guys, I'm out. <laughs> and goodbye. Very funny. Okay. Are you ready? No. Also, forewarning, everyone's going to dislike me in this episode. Which means my dad and I will be both upset because that means a kid dies. Or at least more than one kid dies. We'll see how many kids die. Kids die. That's the only time we ever hear that from Brady. Forewarning... This episode is bad. That means kids die a lot. I'm sorry. I can't help You're it. You're not sorry at all. I am sorry. Like, knowing that that upsets you the way it does, because it should upset everybody. Except for you. No, it does. But it just, looking for ones that are not children, just make me go, dear God, there are quite a few ones that are children. And you just don't realize it until someone's like, please don't tell me that story. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Fucking people. Fucking people. You dropping F-bombs already this early in the podcast. Well, yes. At least I didn't drop the... Well, I kind of repeated your F-bomb, to be fair. <laughs> but at least I didn't drop the first F-bomb in this episode. Do you usually? I think it's usually me. Is it? You... I'll let you take responsibility. Hold you... on. I'm not arguing. Like, let's be fair. You self-censor. And I don't, so I feel like I usually drop the first one. I mean, I'll give you responsibility. I'm not mad at that. I will take 99.9% of the responsibility. 0.99999999%. Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. Ready? Still no, but you can go ahead. I'm going to tell you the story of Lacey Peterson. It's always funny because when she says these sorts of things, it's like she's waiting for my reaction. Like, Lacey Peterson? But I have no idea who Lacey Peterson is. I'm really just waiting to see if I find a story that you recognize. Well, last week I recognized. Yes, but you didn't by the name. That's that's usually what I'm like looking for if I say the name. And and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. See if you have like a. And the name definitely sounded familiar last week, but it was when you got to the elevator. Like the hotel. I think you said Cecil Hotel and it clicked and I was like, oh. Yeah. I know what this is. And I was like, oh, there's a video. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone has seen that video, it's hard to forget that video. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
so. impossible. Yeah. You're like, wait, someone missing in a hotel. Weird video. I know that story. <laughs> I know. I definitely know that story. Yeah. All right. Murdered children. Lacey Peterson. Let's go. So Lacey Denise Rocha, R-O-C-H-A. That's how the YouTube video said it. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Got it. Um, so blame the YouTube video. Yes. Was born on May 4th, 1975 to Denise and Sharon Rocha. They had met in high school and own a dairy farm in California. Okay, cool. Lacey also had an older brother, Brent, who was born in 1971. In case anyone wanted to know. Oh, okay. Um, So unfortunately, Sharon and Dennis did get a divorce when the kids were young. Okay. As it seems most people do. Well, don't like 50% of marriages end in divorce or something? I think it's higher than that. I mean, actually. after quarantine, I feel like it's 80%. So Sharon moved her kids to Modesto, which I looked up and it's only about 25 minutes away from where the farm was located. So they were able to see him almost every weekend because they were so close. So probably like a more populated area or something. Yeah. Um, Sharon did remarry. Good for her. She married Ron Gransky. Gransky. Mm-hmm. Okay. G-R-A-N-T-S-K-I. Grantsky. Yes. Got it. When Lacey was two. So they got divorced when the kids were very really early. young. Yeah, yeah, very early. Dennis also got remarried, but I could not find her name. She had a son from a previous relationship, and then they had a daughter together, Amy. You could find Amy's name everywhere. Could not find her mother's name. I feel like that tells us that Gransky is probably part of this story in some way. <laughs> and wife was not. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As in most farm families, Lacey and Brent worked on the farm from a like, young age. I like how you say that, like you grew up on a farm. You're like, as in most farm no, families. No, because you hear it all the time. They're like, oh, uh, kids have to come home from school because they, they can't like hang the, out. Yeah. They have to do their chores on the farm. No, you're right. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you're like matter of fact. You're like, yeah, when I grew up, I was on the farm just like these people. I guess technically my cousins were though. They had chickens and cows and horses it wasn't it wasn't like a farm it was like a farm proper but they had like animals but they had animals that they had the girls had to feed before okay. like going to school but you specifically didn't grow me up specifically no i did not no but i was just joking about you i know for a while. <laughs> um so lacy also enjoyed gardening with her mother Ooh. from a young age okay and gained an appreciation for plant life that she carried with her for the rest of her life. So Lacey was a cheerleader. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> so Lacey was a cheerleader in middle school and high school. Okay. And attended California Polytech State University, where she majored in horticulture. Let's see. Plants. Gardening. Yeah. Yeah. So while there, Lacey would visit a friend. Nothing said who. Just okay. said a friend. Who worked at a restaurant called Pacific Bay. Apparently, she had a lot of time in her hands and would just, like, go visit her friend while they were working. That sounds awesome. And then while she was there, she met a co-worker of her friend okay. named Scott Peterson mm. in 1994. Okay. So, Lacey apparently made the first move and gave Scott her number. Uh-huh. Like, hi, what's up? And then after she met him, she called her mom and was like, I met the man I'm going to marry. Yeah. I mean, the last name checks out. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I'm just wondering where this is going. So their first date 
And Scott took her deep sea fishing. But the problem is she was seasick the entire time. Oh, that sucks. So, well, it could have been a good first date. It did not work out. It did not work out. So the relationship quickly turned serious. Okay. And Scott put his dream of being a professional golfer (laughs) on hold and focused on agriculture business so he could take care of Lacey and they could start a family. I just love that you found that hysterical. (laughs) His dream of being a professional. People have dreams, Brandy Taylor. Just because you don't have a dream and you don't have an aspiration (laughs) does not mean that a guy who wants to be a professional golf player. But it's not like he was golfing from a young age or something or was really good at it. But he legitimately believed that he would be a professional golfer working at a restaurant and probably golfing barely like ever yes to be fair I've, I've, i mean i guess i don't know how expensive it is to go to a driving range but i've heard like at least the golf clubs and stuff are pretty expensive yeah i guess in high school he started working as a caddy at a local golf course okay but was not golfing before that so it's not like you know tiger woods where his dad started him from when he was you know barely stand and he was golfing that doesn't mean anything yeah, he also joined the golf team in his high school, and his coaches said he was not good. You should have led with that part. Okay. Otherwise, Sorry. A, otherwise, a boy can dream. A boy can dream, absolutely. Yeah. But he thought very highly of himself. And he was not very and good. And he was not good. Okay. See, with the context, the laughing is acceptable. I still thought it was funny when I read it before I read everything else. I was like, you think you're going to be a professional golfer? Well, I mean, it's like okay. he said, like, professional wrestler or something, at least. <laughs> I, that would have been acceptable. You would have been fine with that? I would have been fine with that instead <laughs> of golfer. You're just hating on golf. That's what this is. I mean, that's fair. You're just letting your golf like feelings be known. That's fair. I hope we have no golf listeners out there. I think it's stupid. Damn. I do. Mini just, golf is a different story. You just deleted half of our fan base. They're like, wow, how dare you? I <laughs> we, love golfing. We just lost our golfing Nothing like going base. to top golf. God, just <laughs> just driving, driving those balls. Just driving those. I like that you found that so funny. I did find that funny. At least you're laughing. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. But no, I I agree that there's nothing wrong with having faith in yourself. But when you're not good and yet you're going around going, I'm going to be a professional golfer. Sure. But I mean, at least he had a fallback. He fell back to an agricultural business, you said. Yes. Yeah. So, Wait, so is that what he went to school for as well? Agriculture business, I think specifically. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting combo. Right? Like. He thought he and his dream mm-hmm. was to be a professional golfer, but he still went to school for agricultural business. Yes, well, I mean that makes sense as to why they hit it off at least. Though, yes, because they're both into like agriculture and plants yeah. and all that. Yeah, they had a like common thread right yeah. there. But it's just it's just interesting. I feel like he would have been. I'm not going. I'm going to focus on golf. Oh, but like, do this and do that. I mean, hey, yeah, good for him. So, anyway. Anyway. They got married in 1997 okay. after Lacey graduated. Everyone said it was an elegant wind- wedding with an abundance of flowers. Surprise, which made- surprise. Yes. And while Scott was finishing his senior year, Lacey started a job in Prunedale, which I looked up and it was about an hour away. And all the articles said that it was nearby, but it's also in California. So I feel like that nearby is nearby. Could be like, yeah, freaking far. I love that it's Prune Dale, by the way. Right? That's good. Like, it's still tight. Maybe that's why she liked it so much. She's like, this is, has to be where I work. So, this is where most people think that Scott had at least two affairs. I'm sorry. Let me clarify. His first two affairs was while she was working and he was still in school. 
Okay. We're just jumping right into it. Right into it. So after Scott graduated, Mm -hmm. he opened up a sports bar with Lacey called (sighs) The Shack. Okay. I don't know why they opened a restaurant instead of doing anything. Agriculture. Yes. Like a nursery like a nursery or, like or a, yeah. anything i i don't know why i Nothing. guess he likes golf so he wanted to stay sports in like part, the sports yeah. and he worked at a restaurant that's how they met so well, i guess couldn't they have worked at a golf course no i mean anything would be smarter probably than opening up a sports bar but yeah i feel like that was probably a scott decision and not a lazy yes decision. i think so apparently it was pretty successful oh okay cool. and after a couple of years they sold it and they moved back to modesto which back would only be for Lacey because that's where her family was true um so they could be close to her family uh-huh. and they could have babies 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 all the babies so while there uh-huh Lacey took a job as a substitute teacher so she could work but then also have time at home and Scott took a job at a fertilizer company okay everybody said Lacey really enjoyed being a housewife uh-huh. she liked entertaining she liked taking care of people all of this so having a substitute teacher job where she's not working constantly yeah. like worked out for her. And then in 2002, Lacey found out she was pregnant. Yay. Okay. <laughs> you look scared. Well, yeah, cuz Lacey's an adult. Yes. So that means Lacey's the one doing the murdering and the kids are in trouble. <laughs> so her initial due date, uh-huh, was February 10th, 2003. Uh-huh. But then later it was changed to the 16th. I guess he needed a couple more days. The baby was a boy, by the way. And I was just like, I'm going to stay in. Like, I'm I'm good for now. I just need like a week longer. <laughs> a little bit more sleep before I have to deal with the world. That's it. Scott and Lacey decided to name their baby boy Connor. So on December 23rd, 2002, Lacey and Scott went to Amy's salon, Lacey's sister. Okay. Uh, where she cut Scott's hair. And they did this every month. Went to her salon and he cut her hair. She mm-hmm. cut his hair. Mm-hmm. While there, Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket that Amy had ordered for her grandfather. Okay. Because he was going to be playing golf nearby. And he told everybody, not just Amy, that he was going to be playing golf on Christmas Eve. Okay. So even if your family doesn't celebrate Christmas Uh or doesn't do anything special on Christmas Eve, wouldn't you want to be with your pregnant wife on like a day off? No. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) You would. I mean, I would, but that's, I'm not most people. That's fair. And although I don't want to like, I don't want to like be mean to most people. I feel like I don't want to stereotype some most people. people. Some people. Some people. Would be that way. I mean, because she's what, almost eight months pregnant at this point? Yeah. I mean, she's about to pop, right? So. Yeah. So things can't be easy for her, like getting around. Yeah. Doing certain things. And you're going to leave her home by yourself, by herself. Yeah. On like Christmas Eve. I mean, yeah, for sure. Hormones are probably like all a rage. And, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It just seems like. Like he's a dick? Yes. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I no mean, one's if, arguing if he If he had a hobby or something, I feel like you could do that in the garage or, you know, just. His hobby's golfing, though. Practice in the garage. They have those stupid little, like, driving oh, like little carpets. putting green things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And seen also. All, seen all the, like, stereotypical, like, boss, like, yeah. offices. But also, you have a backyard. Mm-hmm. Can't you just, like, make a little one? So then you can you practice so. golfing. If you really want to be like a professional golfer, yeah. you would think you would invest the like resources necessary to like yeah. practice. I don't know. But he left his pregnant wife on Christmas Eve. To go play golf. Yes. And hold on. I just want to 
that's right how does this tie into the fruit basket he was supposed to go pick it up because he was golfing nearby on christmas eve on christmas eve because it's a fruit basket it's not like other places they're not going to ship it out beforehand got you got you because it you. could spoil okay so while getting his haircut he said he would go pick up this fruit basket yes. on christmas eve yes because he would be golfing nearby i just yes. wanted to make sure i wouldn't do like a time skip all of a sudden mm-hmm. and i was like why did the fruit basket no, matter no, no, no. at all okay. yeah he was like i'm gonna go golfing here which so is I'll near the place the of the fruit basket. basket so i'll go pick Perfect. it up for you so december 24th around 10 30 a.m mm-hmm. karen servas a neighbor found Lacey's golden retriever walking around the neighborhood with a leash on okay so she was like i'm gonna go put this dog back in the yard uh-huh. because i don't know what happened so she went back and opened the gate put the dog back in the backyard uh-huh. and then scott returned home Lacey wasn't there but her car was in the driveway uh-huh. the dog was in the backyard uh-huh. and he needed to shower and wash his clothes because he got them wet while fishing did you catch that yeah, you a liar. <laughs> uh, maybe he was fishing for golf balls. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe he's just really bad and just hit them all into the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. Cool, they all dead. Great. He killed his kids too, man. Oh, God. I don't, just tell me. You got like 10 more pages to go. Let's go. This already reminds me of the... What's the story? This is more recent. This, cause that's, this is longer ago. Uh, the dude that mm. killed his... Two wife, kids. Two kids uh, and dumped them in like Chris. the oil thing or whatever. Like there's the body cam footage online. Yeah. You can watch and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, like dude's like mm-hmm. the worst liar in the fucking, fucking awful. planet. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That one. That one hurt to watch. That, yeah. was, that was rough. That was bad. So I've never heard of anyone coming home and immediately washing their clothes. Their when they've clo- done. Yeah. I've, I've heard of people going, my clothes were wet and they like hang them up to dry and mm-hmm. then they take a shower like that's fine yeah but not immediately throwing them into the washer yeah. and like oh i have to wash them really fast no now i'm not a clean freak i don't know anyone who is so i don't know if that's something that i'm assuming scott wasn't either Let's i do, be like fair. no one says any of that so i don't know for sure yeah but did anyone else know that he was going to play golf i guess that's the question i guess amy would have known that he said he was going to play golf oh no they said he told a lot of people he was going to play golf Mm, okay on christmas eve literally you could have made up anything involving the golf course and you already would have been in a better spot yes than saying you went fishing yeah like if he would have said he got them wet by trying to get his golf ball out of the lake at the golf course something fine easy but no i went fishing okay at 5 15 Scott, being the caring husband he is, calls his mother-in-law and goes, Lacey's missing. She's not here. Don't know where she is. Car's here. I assumed a friend picked her up, so I don't know where she is. Then he calls Lacey's stepfather and goes, she's missing. Hasn't come home. Don't know where she is. So Ron hung up the phone and immediately called the police because he's like, my eight-month pregnant daughter yeah. is missing. Yeah. And her dumbass husband has not called the police for some reason. Like... So I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So the police arrive at the Peterson home and find Lacey's wallet, keys, sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Don't know why that's important, but it was on there. In her purse, in a closet. Not like on the counter, not, you know, out in the open or hanging up or anything. It was in a closet. Get rid of the, trying to hide the. And they said when they walked into the kitchen, a phone book was open on the counter to a full page ad for a defense lawyer. <laughs> Can we just sidebar and appreciate 
how stupid some people are. Yes. And they just make it so easy to catch them after they've done these terrible things. Obviously, I wish they didn't do the terrible things in the first place. Yes. And it's also unfortunate when you think that we, we really only catch the dumb ones. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. The smart ones probably don't get caught. Yeah. The smart ones are probably why there are unsolved cases. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I just want to take a moment to appreciate how, how stupid, stupid <laughs> criminals are. Yeah. It's great. So first he told the police he was golfing all day. Then he said he was fishing. And at 2.15, he left a message for Lacey on her phone saying, Hey, beautiful, it's 2.15. I'm leaving Berkeley, which is where he was fishing, Mm -hmm. golfing, whatever you want to call it. Golfing. Yes. So I feel like that message is weird because he specifically stated what time it was Mm -hmm. and where he was. Like, hey, it's not 2 o'clock. It's not 2 something. It's not, hey, the message will tell you. Yeah. Hey, Brandy, it's a... 231 and 45 seconds i'm currently leaving berkeley yes. where i have been fishing for the past seven hours four <laughs> minutes and 55 seconds um my fishing boat was wonderful there was actually a hole in the bottom right corner oh i met this couple <laughs> exactly. while i was there and they were wearing exactly. a white shirt and you know yeah it's setting up his album mm. so the modesto police went all out looking for her for sure. They had helicopters with searchlights, police on horses and bicycles, oh, wow. uh, search dogs, water rescue units. They had everything. Like, they had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, eight-month pregnant woman who's just gone missing. Yeah. Like, come on. In the first two days of searching, there were over 900 people who showed up. To, like, help? Yes. Jesus. So, on December 31st, the town had held a vigil for Lacey and Connor. Mm-hmm. And people said Scott was acting weird the entire time. I mean, no shit. Yeah. He didn't speak. So, like, the parents and brother and everybody, they uh, were giving, like, speeches, like, thank you. We just want to pray for her. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't talk, which I'm not going to say is a bad thing because some people can't. Like People deal with grief differently. I would not be able to speak in front of a large group of people, especially if something bad like that happened. For sure. But... <sighs> One, I don't think he was a shy person. And two, he was apparently smiling and laughing like he was having a good time. Grand old time. Yeah. Um, and also, yes, I doubt he was a shy person. He worked yeah. at a restaurant. Not to say that you can't work at a restaurant and be shy, but then he also opened a like sports bar and yeah. ran a sports. Like, uh, You're a caddy yeah, I don't for think a you golf were, course when yeah. you were in high school. I don't like, think you were a shy yeah. person. But yeah, he didn't seem to care mm-hmm. that they were missing. I know there's no specific way to grieve and everything but it just seemed odd to people like he wasn't worried yeah well because he knows they're dead Mm -hmm. in april of 2003 a couple was walking their dog in richmond's point isabel regional shoreline park sure (laughs) i had to put the whole thing in there because i was like dear god this is a lot why is it so long it was just north of berkeley Mm -hmm. they found the body of a male fetus with the umbilical cord still attached after the autopsy, an anonymous source said that a loop and a half of nylon tape was found around the baby's neck and there was a significant cut to the body. It was from an, an anonymous source because the judge sealed the records mm. because it was a baby. Yeah. So someone leaked it. Yes. So the next day, the body of a recently pregnant woman was found about a mile away from where the baby was found. Yeah. The woman had been 
decapitated and dismembered. And on the 18th, the DNA results confirmed that the bodies were in fact Lacey and Connor Peterson. So the autopsy, they said Connor's skin was not decomposed at all, which is crazy because they went missing in December. Yeah, like, that's insane, I feel like. Right? The exact date of their death was never determined because Lacey's body was in such bad condition. Mm, that they couldn't. They couldn't tell. Um, she had two cracked ribs. Her organs were missing from her upper torso, except her uterus which is what protected Connor, which is why his body and his skin wasn't as decomposed as she was. The doctor that did her autopsy stated he could not determine cause of death because he didn't have all of her, but he did say Lacey's death caused Connor's death. So her body was also more decomposed mm-hmm. uh, when the people who found her and the police, they said it didn't look like a body. It was so bad. Well, and it, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it makes sense that they couldn't find the cause of death. Mm-hmm. One, because how do you determine that if you don't have all of the body? Mm-hmm. You look like you had a question. Oh, I was just, well, I guess animals or something, right? Like, I'm wondering how the fetus ended up a mile away if it was protected in the uterus for so long. But I'm guessing, like, maybe like an animal or something. like. Because they found her near the water, I think what probably happened is... As her body like decomposed, mm-hmm. her organs and everything probably like went down the yeah. Because yeah. they said there was a um, cut on Connor's on the side on his side. Mm-hmm. So my guess would be she was stabbed, probably in the stomach area, mm-hmm. and then as everything kind of like fell apart, mm-hmm. he just. Oh, ended up in the water with and all it, the other stuff and like yes. it went downstream or yes. something. Okay. Yeah, Type that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll accept it. Because also she was in the water for like, what, four or five months? Yeah. No, I mean, it, so, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So the Modesto police searched the Peterson's home, Scott's truck, his boat, and a warehouse he owned. Okay. Why, I'm not sure. But all they came back with was a single hair from Lacey. Now, most people may be like, well... That doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> I shed <laughs> like it's going like out of style. Like, it's business. ridiculous. Yeah. So if she was ever anywhere near any of these places, or really if she was near him and then he was near any of those places, there should be more than one hair. Mm-hmm. Like you're telling me she was never on the boat. She was never in his truck. Yeah. She was never at the warehouse. Yeah, right. Yeah, that just seems I, mean, I don't weird. think there's a single piece of furniture in the, or like even an item hanging on the wall that doesn't have like a piece of your hair attached to it. Your clothes have my hair. And I'm yeah. like, I don't understand yeah. how. And it just that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So it just see, it's not possible for only a single hair to come up between all of those places without someone cleaning up. Yeah. So it's just. Mm. So we're going to go back in time to December 30th. 2002 got it so the modesto police tip line got a call from someone who said her boyfriend's picture was in the paper and his wife was missing amber Frey was a massage therapist and a single mother she was introduced to scott by a friend in november of 2002 uh-huh. in december they were seen at a holiday party looking quote very cozy i bet scott told amber his wife had died and this would be his first Christmas without her. This was before she went missing. Yo. Yeah. It's also why I said his first, first two affairs. Two, yeah. 
So after contacting the police, Amber began working with them to gather any and all information they could on Scott. She even recorded their conversations. Yo, Amber was yes. like about it. She was like, I, this guy is a fucking asshole. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I'm not going down for this. I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So on December 31st, when he was at the vigil, he called Amber and told her he was in Paris with friends ringing in the new year. <laughs> sure you were. So I looked it up and Paris is nine hours ahead of California. Okay. So if it was midnight, he had to call her at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Which to me would seem a little odd because he didn't call her at three. So he was at the vigil when he called her. Yeah. Well, the vigil wasn't at three o'clock in the afternoon. It was probably later, I would Most Most articles I read didn't have a time, but I found one that said it was around sunset. I feel like that's usually when they are. Yeah. It's like six, maybe seven. But I looked it up. Sunset. You actually looked it up? I actually looked it up. Was at 5 p.m. Oh, okay. So it's not too far off, but it still would have been 2 a.m. in Paris. Sure, but I just want to say, with with that context, I feel like it would be safe if you talk to someone at 2 a.m. to still say, like, oh, I'm ringing in the new year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not a person that goes out. Yeah. So 2 a.m. is like, "Mm, Like, you're still technically ringing in the new year at 2 a.m. You know what I mean? You don't stop just because, yeah. Because I was, you know thinking more of like six or something but it makes sense it's in december it's no, not sure. in the summer so it's not as weird after Either i found way, out what time he wasn't doing but that. he wasn't doing that he was at a vigil for his wife and son mm-hmm. going woo i'm in paris yeah uh-huh so no one knew that the police were aware of scott's secret girlfriend or that she was recording the phone calls like the uh lacy's family his family the public no oh, one super low key. yeah no one knew until about mid-January 2003, the National Enquirer informed the police that they had a photo of Scott and Amber that they were going to publish. So, to get out before, and on January 24th, Amber Frey held a press conference and told everybody, I'm his mistress, but he told me he was single. This is what he said. My wife is dead. This is my first Christmas. Like, I did not know he was married. So things probably blew up immediately yes. after that. Yes. So up until that point, uh-huh. Lacey's family was supporting Scott. They were like, there's well, n- yeah, there's no reason. There's to- no reason not to. Like, he didn't know. She yeah, went he, missing. It's he crazy. He may not have called the police when he should have, but he wasn't going to think anything bad happened to her. It'd be no one's first instinct necessarily. Exactly. Like, like Although he- if my eight-month pregnant wife was not home when I showed up and I didn't hear about her leaving or anything, I'd probably be like... Um, I can't get a hold of her. Yes. Uh, should I call the police? I'm going to call the police. I think it'd be safe if I just called the police. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, what's the worst thing that happens? They find her at a friend's house. Yeah. Okay. And then I feel better. Yes. And then that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So after Amber came out, everything changed. They yeah, were like, I mean, so you clearly did this to her because you were the last one to see her. Uh-huh. No one else saw her after you did. And now we find out you're having an affair the whole time and you told her you were single and that your wife was dead. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So I guess Scott did something that he thought would help him. He did an interview with Diane Sawyer. Oh, my God. The problem is... He's, we know he's an idiot. So he he's lied bad. during the interview. <sighs> so he told her that he told the police and the police were aware of the affair from day one. No, he didn't. 
Yeah, no, not so much. Then he told her that Lacey knew about the affair and was, quote, okay with it. Sure she was. I'm sure she was very okay with it. Then he did the thing that is a giant red flag, because remember, this is still before they find her. Yeah. He referred to her in the past tense. He said Lacey, quote, was amazing. Yeah, I, I would I would argue that's probably a red flag. Now, what, what, this was during the interview. During the interview. He referred to her in the past tense. Yes. And We're in January. I was going to say, so it's not, like, it's not like she's been missing. For a really long time. No. For like months and months and months. No, 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 you know no. what I mean? So yep. like, I wouldn't want to let go. Like if you were missing, I, I don't think I would be able to like just let you go like that and be like, oh yeah, you know, Brandy was an amazing person, but you know, I've moved on since then. It's like, like that it's, was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe. Exactly. If that. Yes. I'd still be like, no, Brandy is the light of my life, and I know that she'll find her way back to me. Yeah. And if anyone out there has any information, please. Yes. But no, he said Lacey was amazing. Lacey after was a couple a great weeks person. of her yeah. being missing. Yeah. So after everything came out about mm-hmm. his affair, and he most likely killed her, and he's done nothing but lie this entire time, he was staying in San Diego with his family. Okay. Because he did, he wanted to avoid the media and as someone who murdered their wife would do. Of course, I don't know how being in San Diego would change that. I guess it's just because but, he's not in Modesto where it happened, yeah. so it's you know a better option. Are you ready? I don't. I guess I don't know. Maybe so. On April eighteenth, the police found Scott at a golf course. Okay. And arrested him. Okay. He was carrying over ten thousand dollars in cash, had his brother's ID camping gear and four cell phones what he also dyed his hair blonde and grew a beard i'll post some photos for everybody because the difference is wild so he was clearly like ready to go on the run yes that's what everybody says and because san diego is so close to the uh united states mexican border Mm. that they were just like he's he's, clearly he's gonna run yeah so scott peterson was charged with two counts of murder there's a law in California called the fetal homicide law that mm-hmm. protects any fetus eight weeks and older. Cool. That way people can still be charged with murder yeah. even if. I mean, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, F-bomb. Yes. That guy. Yes. Yeah. He deserves it. That same month, President Bush signed a law called Lacey and Connor's Law or the Unborn Victim of Violence Act, which criminalizes harming a fetus when assaulting a pregnant woman. So no one can be like, well, that doesn't count. No. They get charged extra. If they injure a fetus. So I'm not going to focus too much on the trial. Just because I've already listed everything that they found on yeah, him. sure. And really he just kind of dug his own grave lying the whole time. And Definitely. like seeming like he was going to run. But he did plead innocent. I mean, not they're not li- cutting that guy yeah. a plea deal. You know what I mean? Um, and his defense attorney said that the case was all circumstantial. Which it, which it was. Because there's no evidence showing he specifically did no it. No physical evidence. Physical evidence. Yeah. There's nothing going. The knife that was used to stab her was found here yeah, yeah, yeah. on him. Like, there's nothing like that. But on November 12th, 2004, he was found guilty of first degree murder for Lacey and second degree murder for Connor. The jury said that the victim was based on, quote, hundreds of small pieces of circumstantial evidence that came out during the trial from the location of Lacey's body to the numerous lies he told after her disappearance. Yeah. Because he was fishing, is what he told people after he got back. Yeah. And they found them 
not far from where he said he was. was yeah. So, like, if you're going to lie, come Do up a with better a better job. lie. Like, first you say you were golfing. Like, you're going golfing. Yeah. And then you tell everybody, oh, I was fishing. I was fishing in Berkeley. Like, the only reason you tell someone that is because you know people saw you. Yeah. You know there were cameras. So, like, you're something. trying to, like, make sure that your story yeah. lines up with. But then they find their bodies near where you were. Mm-hmm. So, mm, come on. But also, you... you should have like dexter those yes. bodies and like dumped them in the middle of the freaking like ocean you yeah. know what i mean like we're not telling anybody how to kill people i'm not condoning murder no. but if you're gonna murder don't be stupid don't be stupid that's not true be, be stupid. stupid unless please you're gonna murder stupid. bad people yes please if you're be gonna stupid. be dexter be smart in december i still don't condone murder yeah. <laughs> the jury recommended the death sentence as they should they said he betrayed his responsibility to protect his wife and his son and therefore kill yeah him. And therefore kill him. And then on March 16th, 2005, because that's how long it took to sentence him, mm-hmm. the judge sentenced Scott Peterson to death by lethal injection and was ordered to pay $10,000 towards Lacey's funeral costs. And the judge said the murder of Lacey was cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. I mean, yes. Yeah. So why did he kill her, may you ask? Uh, because he didn't want her to take care of a baby and he wanted to be a free spirit and go sleep with Amy. No. What was her name? I forget. Amber. Amber. That's actually really close. <laughs> um, oh, so he actually like said what he, why he did it? No. We're just like putting it together. Yes. Okay. The affair with Amber was never presented as a motive. Just an example of him being a terrible, terrible person. For sure. Um, one scenario was Scott was afraid of having an unhealthy or unattractive child. But that was later ruled out because the coroner that did the autopsy said that there was nothing wrong with Connor from what they could tell. Like none of the doctor's visits or anything? No, no. So I don't know where that one came from. Um, Did he not like find Lacey attractive and was like, oh man, our baby's going to be ugly? Maybe. I have no idea. I don't even. Like after she was pregnant, he saw baby pictures and was like, ooh, no. I don't know. I have no idea where that came from. Yeah, stupid. But another one that's probably more likely is Scott wanted to return to his single life. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be tied down anymore. He wanted to be able to sleep with as many people as possible. It's called divorce. Exactly. But then he would have to pay child support. He would probably have to pay alimony because she was, you know, just had a job as substitute teacher. So she's not making a lot. And then he would also have to split everything because they're in California. Mm -hmm. So he most i mean that seems to be the motive a lot of times is that Mm -hmm. they don't want to have to split everything they don't want to pay anything and it's like really but murder is okay yeah like Like you're you're gonna murder someone and you know you're going to prison yeah like i'm sorry you're not getting away with murder no they just think that they're smart enough to get away with it and it's like and if mm, you're not no you're not i mean they always look at the spouse first anyway so it's like you (laughs) You're just, yeah, dumb. And then if you hire somebody, they're definitely going to give you up. And nine times out of ten, when you hire somebody, it's actually a cop anyway. Yes. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, I just I just don't understand. Yeah. So the reason I picked this story mm-hmm. is because there's an update. Oh. Yeah. California Supreme Court overturned his death sentence. And this happened a couple weeks ago. You probably, I'm sure you probably told me, which is why you were like, oh, do you remember I, this? I didn't. Oh, specifically for I this story? I read it and went, oh. <gasps> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him the story. Got yep. it. Um, they upheld his conviction. Okay. So he's still convicted of first degree and second degree murder. 
but they said the judge denied him an impartial jury during sentencing. So they overturned his death sentence. Sure. They said, quote, we reject Peterson's claim that he received an unfair trial as to guilt and thus affirm his convictions for murder. But before the trial began, the trial court made a series of clear and significant errors in jury selection. Here, the trial court erroneously dismissed many prospective jurors because of a written questionnaire where their responses expressed opposition to the death penalty, even though the jurors gave no indication that their views would prevent them from following the law and indeed specifically attested in their questionnaire that they would have no such difficulty. Uh Under the United States Supreme Court precedent, these errors require us to reverse the death sentence in this case. So they dismiss the jurors because they marked on the questionnaire that they give them that they don't agree with the death penalty. But then he got sentenced to the death penalty. Well, they were specifically excusing jurors who didn't agree with the death penalty. Oh. And they can't do that. So the Supreme Court was like, we can't, like, we have to reverse his death sentence because that specifically is not allowed. But the prosecution can... Uh, seek the death penalty again. It's not like completely off the table. It just be that with that particular they just jury. Have to do it again. It was, okay. Yeah, but he's but, I mean, also we're also in California. I was so going to say like... he's also in California, so that's not going to happen. Yeah, no chance. It was actually on the ballot in 2016, mm-hmm. and California voters did not vote to get rid of it. They voted in favor of the death penalty. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but Governor Newsom put a moratorium. Ooh. Mm, on capital punishment so as long as he's in office there will be no executions got it and then the next governor you know does the same thing yeah until something crazy happens there's not going to be any executions in california there's no way no so that's all i know so we'll see what happens he's obviously not getting out of prison anytime soon well of course because he's still convicted but it sucks that uh Lacey's family has to go through this again yeah because you know at sentencing they still do victim impact statements and they you know question people so they're still gonna have to be there they're still gonna have to talk about this again um but at least he's not getting a new trial yeah at least it's not a whole new thing yeah go through the entire process all over again yeah yeah so you want to see some pictures sure oh my god yeah so that's different person that's scott and Lacey. Lacey looks like a sweetheart Mm -hmm. and then that's uh, him after she went missing. It's like at the press conferences. And... Is this uh, maybe it just the the photo, the this photo in particular? If you guys yes. look at it online, it's the one of him at the press conference, uh, or command center. I'm sorry. Uh, reminds me of Gone Girl. Yes. Like yes. hardcore reminds me of Gone Girl. That's them at their house. Yeah. The. And, and then them finding the bodies, yes. yeah. And then that's him Different when he was person. arrested. Different person entirely. Yeah. And that's Amber Frey. Yeah, Lacey looks like a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And I'll link to this specific portion of the website, but I'll put as many as I can online. Good luck cutting out all these dog sounds of her running around <laughs> in between us. Yeah, you done, Abby? What are you doing? You, you you done being in here? Yeah. I'm sorry, baby. 
wow. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah. So. But he looks like a completely different. Like he was clearly going on the run. Yes. Yes. He looks like a completely different human being. <laughs> yeah. Looks nothing like himself. Not even a little like close. Yeah. He even dyed the beard. Yeah. So. <laughs> like dunked his head in the. <laughs> Let me take this thing of bleach. And, yeah. I mean, at that point, he should have just drank it and saved everybody. It's a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think she knows that it's time to. Uh, I think she does. Go She's like, play. guys, it's seven o'clock. Yeah. Time Let's to play with go. Abby. Let's go. Yeah. Abby has a little friend she plays with every night. Mm-hmm. Or most nights. Most nights. When it's not 115 degrees. Yes. When it is, we don't go outside. No. Uh, not even a little bit. She's like, I have to pee, and then I go back inside. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's, I this think is it's a time. pausing time. <laughs> we'll be back shortly. And we're back. Just a slight ad from uh, Abby the Spaniel. <laughs> Just a several hour ad. <laughs> um, In case anyone cares, it is not light outside anymore. No, no longer light outside. Still earlier than usual. I think yes. we're still making good time yes. compared to how we've been Absolutely. doing. But uh, Abby's a little needy and she needs like an hour playtime with her friend. Yeah. Every day. Accurate. So. Minimum hour. Minimum. Mm-hmm. Or she's a little shit. Yes. But that was my story. Now let's hear yours. Do you want to like do like a ten second full recap of your story? No. And like, how do you how do you recap your entire story <laughs> in one sentence? Um, go watch Gone Girl. Gone Girl. That is funny. I mean, I did look up, and since I mentioned it, I mm-hmm. looked it up, and I guess uh, not. It's not directly based on, but Jillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn. How do you say your name? Jillian. I'm gonna say I Jillian. I'm going Jillian. Okay. What we're going with. I think that's Jillian fair. Flynn drew inspiration from the Peterson case, so. Which, it, again, like, one of the photos on the thing looks like it's directly pulled from the movie. So knowing that she probably pulled as, as reference, it would yeah. make sense that the movie also drew reference from that. I'll see if I can find the image from Gone Girl. Of oh, and, like, put them up together. Putting them together. That'd be cool. I'm going to see That'd if I can super find cool. it. That'd be super cool. But, yeah, like, piece of shit, husband, murders. Pregnant wa- wife. To sleep with younger anyone and everyone again (laughs) something like that yeah okay my story today are you ready i think so this is what i wanted to say it's too bad it's almost it's almost too bad this is what i wanted to save because of how much it sort of means to like me specifically Mm um yeah but (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna talk about anyway and this was originally gonna be sort of more than just this one thing yeah. that you'll see in a second. But I learned something that I didn't know. And some people might learn this too, or they might have heard about this because it was, I'm sure it made news all over the place. But at the same time, a lot of people I feel like sort of miss these sorts of things. Oh, yeah. Or just don't care. It's like Wells Fargo, you know, where like the, well, I need spoilers. But so <laughs> let's just get into it. Wait, what? Let's just okay. Get into it. I just want to point out whenever he does this, he always puts his finger in my face. Like, shut up. Yeah, like, don't say anything. Give me a second. Operation Iraqi Freedom, 4,431 killed in action, 31,994 wounded in action. Operation New Dawn, 74 killed in action, 298 wounded in action. Operation Enduring Freedom, 2,353 killed in action, 20,149 wounded in action. Operation Inherent Resolve, 99 killed in action, 231 wounded in action. Operation Freedom's Sentinel, 
95 killed in action, 572 wounded in action. Being born and raised as a military brat, our troops have always and will always hold a special place in my heart and mind. And with all the news going around uh, Mm -hmm. right now, I wanted to take some time to shed some light on some people and organizations that are doing their part to help take care of the people that help take care of us. So today we're talking about the Wounded Warrior Project. Oh, oh my God. Okay. (sighs) (laughs) You ready? No. So I actually didn't really know. I mean, obviously, you know what the Wounded Warrior Project is, right? But I didn't really know like anything about how they started or any of those sorts of things. You know, you just know that they help veterans. You know, they help veterans coming back from, from the war. But I, other than that, other than knowing that they help people and they yeah. do these things, you know, these good things for people and offer services and stuff, I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. Um, and I learned <laughs> something <laughs> about them that uh, is, we'll get to. So a quick history of the Wooden Warrior Project. Uh, it was founded in 2003, originally in Roanoke, Virginia, mm-hmm. by a John Melia or Malia. So John was actually an infantryman and he was a Marine. And on March 20th, 1992, while serving as an infantryman in Somalia, just off the coast, he was on board a helicopter with 14 other Marines and four crew members that were returning to their ship just off the coast. And he said, he actually recounts it in an interview. I have, a, I have the link to the interview, which was actually surprisingly very difficult to find, by the way. They sort of scrubbed him from the existence of the website. Same as like, which rubbed me the wrong way. Same as that uh, Kid Saving the Rainforest. Yeah. It was, Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, you can, if you Google his name, like he, you can see him, like he, yeah. his name's attached to this, but it was difficult to find this information. Hmm. It was really weird. I, I apologize. But so just off the coast with 14 other Marines and four crew members as they were returning to their ship, he said they were probably just about 15 and 20 miles away from the ship. You could see the ship. It was in yeah. sight. And all of a sudden their helicopter suffered a massive mechanical malfunction and exploded. Holy crap. Just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, the helicopter literally exploded. The helicopter caught on fire, and they crashed into the Red Sea. Dear God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the interview, he recounts the story. and He, re- he recounts being, he doesn't even know how far underwater in this helicopter, unable to see. It's pitch black, can't see anything, can't see which way is the way out. And he, he was, by some grace of God, able to find, like, a, a pole. Yeah. That he, and he knew this pole led to, like, a door. Okay. That, like, like led off was, of the yeah. helicopter. And he was able to, like, blindly basically follow this mm-hmm. to a door after crashing, mind you, into the ocean from, you know, and, and being underwater. And he was able to get his way out and get yeah. his way to the surface before it was too late. Unfortunately, the crash resulted in the death of four of the Marines and the other 14 occupants sustained pretty significant injury, injuries and burns. John himself sustained burns to about 20% of his body. He suffers lasting lung damage, Oof. and then he had a, a few other minor injuries. You know, he's broken this, broken yeah. that, twisted that, lots of bruises and cuts. So you know those things for cars that the insurance company gives you, or that um, you can buy on like Amazon. You plug them in, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you what's wrong with your car. <laughs> yeah. Do helicopters not have those? Because I feel like they <laughs> yeah, should. Yeah, probably not. No, it, and, and unfortunately, it sounds like this was this was purely a freak yeah. accident. Like there was. No way they could have caught No this. way they could have, like, it just, unfortunately, this helicopter decided it needed to do this thing, and it went to the Red Sea. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure they've improved since 92. Oh, I'm but, sure. But, but yeah, so I'll, I'll link to the interview yeah. so you can, uh, like, listen along, and, and he sort of recounts, like, the founding of Wounded Warrior Project and some things in there, so it's pretty it's pretty neat. But so, after he returned home, he, he said he, he bounced around several hospitals before he even got back to the U.S. Oh, wow. You know, finally made it back to the U.S., and 
he said he was uh, in the hospital and it wasn't until his his brothers were able to come visit him at, at the first hospital he went to in the U.S. So he yeah. had already been to four or five other hospitals. It wasn't until the bro- his brothers came to visit him that he finally had something that was his. And I'll elaborate. So he talks about how, you know, obviously after the, these injuries, they had to cut off his clothes. They, yeah. you know, he didn't have any of his own personal items you know mm-hmm. he didn't have okay. simple stuff even like a like a toothbrush or like a razor he didn't have underwear he didn't have yeah, he didn't this have that anything. and the other okay. and so his brothers finally brought him some mm-hmm. but he sort of realized that like this is kind of a problem that sucks like this yeah i didn't like this yeah what can i do to sort of fix that and he said uh he remembered having a conversation with his brother and they sort of both hashed out over this conversation like the idea of wounded warrior project and like trying to help people yeah and so his brother i guess is a very busy man he like does actual like big business stuff and so he took it upon himself Mm -hmm. uh john to be like well how can i actually like make this into a thing and so he was able to raise five thousand dollars and with that five thousand dollars and the help of his wife (laughs) they were able to put together 50 backpacks full of comfort items so like underwear socks cd players because you know cds are all the rage back in the (laughs) Early 2000s and 90s, I guess. Like, yeah. 90s or 2000s. Uh, but like toothbrushes, razors, you know, that sort of stuff. And they, he actually drove them himself up to the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center uh, where they distributed them. So they like, you know, gave yeah. them to wounded veterans there. Um, and while he was there, John also went around sort of talking to all the soldiers. He shared his experience, you know, like what happened to him and sort of his journey coming out the other side and like overcoming sort of the injuries and like the trauma that he went through and and basically just being there to like you know talk to people yeah and so just two days after that like literally he said two days later the hospital walter reed literally called him up and was like hey so can we get some more of those (laughs) and so the wounded warrior project was born like officially (laughs) like they called him and they were like hey uh that was awesome can you do that again like that worked out really well we we need more of that could you please do that again like these people loved it and and so they did and the, and the wounded warrior project backpack program is actually still ongoing today uh, as of early 2018 is the last update they have for it but they actually have distributed more than 65,000 backpacks oh my god uh which if you add up the numbers that i gave you earlier yeah. for the wounded in action that i guess that really checks out so they're they're pretty much hitting just about i think every veteran that comes wow. out of the military yeah yeah i mean it's in, it's insane uh and I, I actually link uh just to sort of backtrack all those numbers i gave you in the beginning were uh from the uh it'll be the first link of my links it's actually from defense.gov it's a it's their casualty pdf it's uh updated as of august of this year so okay so pretty pretty new numbers yeah and they mention in the description for all of those operations the uh the actual locations and like sort of places that those are all in relation to Um, yeah so while you know that backpack thing started like being their that was their sort of main thing and the united spinal association of new york actually adopted basically the wounded warrior project and like before it was a real corporation you know they sort of like made them a division Mm. of the united spinal association of new york okay um, in 20 in 2003 fund them and help yeah just basically like you know help them do these backpacks and things for, for veterans and so actually in September of 2005, so two years later, the United Spinal Association granted $2.7 million to the Wounded Warrior Project wow. to, quote, develop into a standalone charity with its own identity and programs. That's awesome. Which is, <laughs> I mean, that's freaking incredible. Yeah. So they, they liked what they were doing so much that they wanted them to be able to, like, keep doing it, keep doing it, but do it bigger than they have been doing it. And the intent was to expand its services from providing immediate comfort items to providing long-term support for returning wounded veterans via compensation, education, health care, insurance, housing, and employment. 
So yeah, they were like, no one else is doing this. Like, and they you desperately are, need it. You need to do this, which is absolutely freaking awesome of them. And then that they did. And I mean, he ended up moving his base of operations down to Jacksonville. I guess there's a very heavy military presence in Jacksonville, which makes oh, sense. Because I sense. mean, I, we were there for a while even, you know, so yeah. I, I, like I don't remember some... a lot of it, but <laughs> I was a kid. Yeah. I feel like also you have some pretty big ports at which least makes around sense. there because like on the other side, like Louisiana is not that far. Yeah. And then... yeah. He said he was having a hard time sort of finding the people to help him run it. And like, you know, it, like really? well, up in Roanoke, Virginia, I guess. So oh. he moved to sort of like a hub. Which, where like he'd yeah. get veterans and all these people Makes that sense. sort of like he needed to help run this place so he moved the headquarters down in jacksonville and then nice. that's sort of where it like blew up into you know what it is today and just for some quick numbers uh the wounded warrior project actually puts out put out a survey every year to all their warriors to to try to survey them and see how they can better align their services with like what the help they need or like if there's um, anything else that they need or yeah so here's right. some of the statistics from the 2019 survey the it, it's the most common self-reported injuries and health problems among warriors okay. so 87.5 percent report sleep problems mm, makes sense 82.8 uh report ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder yep 80.7 report anxiety 76.8 report back neck or shoulder problems mm-hmm. and then 76.5 report depression and that's whoever reports it well exactly but I mean, those numbers, like all sort of, obviously back, back neck, or, or shoulder problems are sort of more physical trauma, but yes. the other ones definitely gravitate in that like mental yeah. health category, you know? It, it, they also said uh, almost 40% of warriors report experiencing traumatic brain injuries. Military sexual trauma was reported yep. by 10.4% of warriors. Um, among female warriors, the number actually jumps up to 44.4%. Yep. About three in 10 warriors. 31.8% in 2019 and 32.4% in 2018 need the aid and assistance of another person because of their injuries or health oh, problems, wow. uh, which is a very large percentage. Uh, and then among warriors needing assistance, approximately one-fifth, about 21.6%, need more than 40 hours of aid every week. Oh, my God. Which is pretty significant. Yeah. And, I mean, they. the nice thing is they today they have programs to address pretty much all of these things. And the, the, the great thing about what I – was able to find out about when Warrior project is i was surprised at how much of their st- stuff they they do for veterans is really just like sort of groups and having people and voices to be there and sort of help people like guide them through these things you know like therapies and all these sorts of like other veterans and soldiers to talk yeah. to them and sort of share their experiences Makes and like sense. basically just be there to support them yeah and sort of their transition and like sort of dealing with life post you know <laughs> whatever happened yeah, to them. yeah exactly which is incredible i mean it makes sense they might not want to talk to the people closest to them because they don't think they can ever understand sure i mean i mean uh, if if i was a veteran and i suffered from some traumatic event the chances of me putting that burden on you or yes. wanting to put that burden on you are extremely low i it's, don't think i would ever do that yeah it's kind of like being a homicide detective you're not going to come home and be like yeah. oh here's my day yeah because you don't want people to experience that so having people who have gone through the same thing that you have makes it easier because you don't have to explain anything absolutely they're already caught up yeah they get it they understand yeah. they've been there mm-hmm. they know what you're going through you don't have to worry that they're being fake or like pitying exactly you. They they're, gonna, exactly. they're gonna turn around and tell you a story from when they went through it and how they overcame it and, and yeah. the, the system that is in place to help them through the wounded warrior project and all these things and 
and again, they also not even just people that have been through it, but they also offer like therapy yeah. and like connecting yeah. you with therapists and Which all this again, sort of stuff too. It would still be therapists who understand. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't be the first person. And I think even just knowing that yeah. probably helps. I'm sure. Because it's like I don't have to sit here and like tiptoe around them or, you know. No, of course. Which say anything like it's probably the biggest load off, mm-hmm. I would think. Uh, yeah possible that being said yes i said that i sort of learned something about the wounded warrior project that i did not know yes and it's unfortunate oh uh so we're gonna do a quick time jump cool i'm done okay bye <laughs> because i would be remiss not to mention a incredibly glaring stain on sort of the history of the wounded warrior project it's a little more recent than like we're not we're not like talking early 2000s it's a little more uh 2010s to 2000 like currently okay well, a little a little before currently and i just want to clarify this in no way takes away from any of the like awesome amazing things that they have done or will continue to do or you know are doing yes again that being said uh-huh. the, the bad shit <laughs> so in 2016 ceo steven Nardizzi and coo al giordano um, just for clarification, Steve Nardizzi uh, took over after John uh, Melia or Melia left in, I believe it was 2010. Okay. Um, he left to pursue like business things. Like he started a new business, like mm. logistics or something. He actually later recounted that he really felt like he was sort of forced out because mm. his uh, vision, I guess, for Wounded Warrior necessarily didn't line up with sort of the way these other people wanted to run the, you know, organization. Yeah. Which in Steve Nardizzi's defense before we get into what happened, uh, he did help Wendy Warrior Project grow from a, like, $50 million charity to a, like, $500 million charity. So, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. But, again, that being said, mm-hmm. in 2016, CEO Stephen Nardizzi uh, yeah. and COO Algie Giordano were fired from Wendy Warrior Project after it was revealed and <laughs> that they were spending massive, massive amounts of WWP money on lavish company retreats and personal enrichment for themselves. Yeah. I have some numbers. I don't care if you helped them get bigger. If you're using that money to make yourself feel better and being like, ooh, I'm going to take a private jet four miles up the road. Yeah. I mean, he was paying himself double what like every other like charity CEO was made. He was paying himself almost like a half a million dollars a year. Um, they've, They've since lowered the... CEO pay down to like two something, which is the average, like 200 something thousand a year, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, closer to like in line with the average. But anyway, so over a dozen former employees actually dating back to at least 2012 alleged that they were fired because they raised concerns over the mismanagement and sort of yeah. misappropriation of funds. Not surprised. Um, there actually ended up being a congressional inquiry. If you want to do some light reading, I actually have a link to the 500 page congressional report that was filed, sort of like detailing all of the, the crap that, that these guys did. did. Yeah. So some of the stupid shit so by 2014 according to tax forms wwp was spending 7.5 million dollars a year on travel alone no no yeah there's some i, I have a, i have several articles that i link to with different interviews from some of these different like sort of whistleblowers yeah and i mean uh like one of them renee humphrey uh, we'll get to in a minute but like she said that they would literally like approve and like tell her to fly like from uh like seattle to new york for like one day to talk to like the guy that's like technically in charge of her, like her boss, and she literally hop on a on a on a fucking part of my language, but it pisses me off. But she would hop on a plane, fly first class or business. You know, sometimes last minute tickets costing as much as seven thousand dollars. 
go stay in a $500 night hotel room just to be there for a day and then fly back just to, just to pop in, check in, see their, see their boss for like an hour or two and be like, yep, great. Yep. It was like a gut punch reading some of this stuff. The wounded I warrior. I hate pro- people like this. Like yeah. people like this are the reason stockade should still be around. hundred percent. The wounded warrior project claimed that it spent 80% of donations on programs. Uh, but the former employees and charity watchdog groups actually said that they would inflate their numbers by using practices such as counting like marketing materials as educational and, so they'd sort of make it look like they were spending more on the like actual programs to help people than they were. I guess about, according to the New York Times, about 40% of the organization's donations in 2014 were actually spent on its overhead, which equated to about $124 million. Um, that's according to Charity Navigator. And while that percentage, which includes the Ministry of Expenses and marketing costs, so marketing mm-hmm. costs are sort of wrapped into that, which apparently a lot of people think they spend way too much on marketing they spend way more than most charities and that's that do the same sort of thing or, uh-huh. or around that same sort of like and i don't want to say budget but like they're bringing the same amount of money yeah wwp seems to spend outspend all of those by a very large margin on marketing which is interesting because it's not like they need to advertise or make all of the stuff that they make yeah i don't really uh, i don't know how to argue one way or the other for marketing yeah, costs because like i guess you're trying to raise money so you want people to yeah, but, but I don't, the fact that you're spending double what others do. Like quite a bit more than other people are. So it just seems like I, I want to know what they're spending it on. For sure. But so, again, while that percentage, which includes the administrative expenses and marketing costs, mm-hmm. is not as much as for some groups. So some groups are even higher sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it severely outweighs basically every other veteran charity that has ever or will ever exist. The New York Times specifically mentions the Semper Fi Fund. Mm-hmm. which is a wounded veterans group that only spent about 8% of their donations on overhead. Again, compared to about 40%, almost half. That makes no sense. For the Wounded Warrior Project. It's absolutely asinine. I mean, if you're doing your numbers and you go, how much is spent on overhead? Like almost half. Yeah. We need to cut down. Yeah. Like, that's the immediate response. Yeah, we got we got more here. I got some more nitty gritty for you. Mm-hmm. So it only got worse. In 2013, uh, according to tax forms, the Wounded Warrior Project actually gave $150,000 to a nonprofit called the Cherry Defense Council. And Mr. Nardizzi himself, the CEO of WWP, uh, actually joined his advisory board. The <laughs> Cherry Defense Council's mission statement, according to their website, includes, and I quote, Defending charity spending on overhead. Oh my oh, god! Nope. Yeah, let me finish the quote. Defending charity spending on overhead and executive salaries. Fuck off. Right. Literally, fuck off. He not only you made the jackass. W- he not only made the WWP donate to it, but he also joined its advisory board after all these accusations started coming out. In 2014, the Wounded Warrior Project lobbied in California and Florida to fight new proposals that were trying to be passed that would have required nonprofits to increase their financial transparency. So they were trying to make it so they could they didn't have to be as transparent with like how they were spending their money. Which that already raises red flags because why are you going? I don't want to show you my records. Exactly. What the hell are you doing? And they were definitely Yeah. yeah. So it just. You're running a charity. How yeah. does that ma- not make you go, ooh, yeah, that's not a good thing. Like, no one said that to mm-hmm. you? Well, of course they didn't. You fired everyone that mm-hmm. even came well, close. And and that's exactly what it was. So they, they said people were getting fired all the time. Um, sometimes, and they would always come up with like these sort of arbitrary reasons. Like, insubordination seems to be the big one. 
Like, and I mean, Florida is a right to work state. Well, so. unfortunately. And there was some where like people would literally be like, hey, you have to go fire this guy because he didn't meet this arbitrary quota that we gave you. And the guy was like, no, like this is stupid. And then they they made him still send an email to the employee to fire them. Yeah. So they still made him fire the employee. Yeah. And then that same day, they fired him for insubordination. And they were like, oh, it, we fired the first employee at the recommendation of this guy, as you can see per this email. You son of a Come on. So, again, they, they sort of had these arbitrary quotas that the execs were putting in place to sort of pad their numbers to, like, show that, like, no, we're helping all these veterans. Look at all these veterans that we're helping. See, we're doing a really good job. Now all I our money is helping people. Now I understand why you said Wells Fargo. Yeah. Here's a quote from the former employee that I mentioned earlier, uh, Renee Humphrey. She oversaw the alumni outreach in Southern California for about four years. She said, if the same warrior attends six different events, you could record that number as six warriors served. You had the same few guys who basically loved going to free events. So they would just have the same like bunch of people. But they would count them Go to like several events time. and they counted them as a different like warrior being served for each event. Yeah. Just to pad their numbers. This is a, from a CBS article, uh, Army Staff Sergeant Eric Maletti. He said, and I quote, you're using our injuries, our darkest days, our hardships to make money so you can have these big parties. He said he witnessed lavish spending on like staff functions. Like there was a whole Colorado retreat that happened where they spent over like $3 million to fly all these people out to a Colorado retreat. And I have a, another thing about that here in a second. But he said like he would hear execs all the time like, let's get a Mexican mariachi band in there. Let's get maracas made with the WWP logo and put them on every staff member's desk. You know what? Let's get it catered and have a big party. Like just stupid spending. Like they're popping bottles. They're like buying alcohol for everybody. They're buying liquor and like doing all these things. And it's like, why? What? Wait. This money's supposed to be helping veterans. Like you should be lucky you're getting paid in the first place. Yeah. What? What the ever living fuck? Yeah. He 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 said in a quota. Going to a nice fancy restaurant is not team building. Staying at a lavish hotel at the beach here in Jacksonville and requiring staff that lives in the area to stay at the hotel is not team building. No, trust falls are team building. Can do that in the office. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> the beach is free. Just walk there. Yep. So, uh, speaking about uh, CEO Nardizzi, this is from no. that, this is from that Colorado retreat. Um, this is still Eric Maletti's quote. Uh, but talking about that Colorado retreat where they spent like $3 million, mm-hmm. he said that Nardizzi rappelled down the side of the building at one of the all-hands events. Oh, come events. on. He, he's coming on a Segway before. He's like coming on a horse, like just very lavish and extravagant, like blowing money, like blowing stupid money. And Nardizzi like defended himself every step of the way and said like, oh, well, no, like, you know, it's part of our, uh, you know, like, thing it's like we're, we're, we're trying to make sure everyone like enjoys the environment and like we're we're all a team and like so, take care of each so other spending right? that much on it was fine totally fine it's all part of the plan to like raise more money and keep our team like engaged and sorry for the f-bomb but go fuck yourself so this is going to be one of those stories right where um this guy is barred from ever being part of a charity again right uh, nothing I could find like that, no. God damn it. So here's the the what, like the really glaring sort of shocking thing that I saw. Not that it, all the other things weren't like sort of shocking and like yeah. messed up. But according to the charity's tax forms, spending on conferences and meetings went from $1.7 million in 2010, which is when John Malia mm. left the company, to $26 million in what? 2014. What? 
went from 1.7 million in 2010 to 26 million in 2014. Hold that thought because that is the same amount of money that they spend on their combat stress recovery program, which is its top program to help veterans. $26 million in 2014 spent on conferences and meetings, tying the amount of money they spend on combat stress recovery, their top program to help veterans. Let that sink in. What? Yeah. I have, like, no words for that. Like, I was, I was like, I don't even understand i i don't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so during all these uh like all this stuff coming out and like even yeah. i think going back a little earlier like during sort of this before some of the whistleblowers even came out yeah a lot of the charity sort of watchdog groups were like kind of like what's like something's, something's going up. on here and they were sort of digging mm. into the financial reports and stuff and they're like no something's definitely going on so like if you look them up on like the charity navigators or yeah. like charity watch or any of those guys uh, guide star i think even you would see like very low scores especially yeah. on the like yeah. accountability and financial you know aspect but finally again you know this this sort of all broke and came about and you know uh, in in 2016 nardizzi and giordano were were fired good so they, they were let go and then wwp ended up bringing in mike linnington who's a retired three-star army general as the okay. new CEO, to quote, turn things around. Yeah. Just for clarification, I don't know about Giordano. I didn't really come up at all, but Nardizzi was like a businessman. He wasn't. He wasn't a veteran. He wasn't any of these things. He was a businessman who uh, John Melia Aurelia brought in because I think Nardizzi had experience with a charity before or charities before, and he obviously had no experience. Well, yeah. So he which, brought him in to help him, which makes, makes sense. sense. Of course, he's just a terrible human being. Yeah, he sort of took the company over and again he he helped raise more money but it it doesn't sound like a lot of that money went to good use unfortunately but so prior to wwp uh, mike lennington again uh, the retired three-star army general retired from the army in 2015 and he actually served as the first permanent director of the pentagon's defense pow slash missing in action accounting agency oh wow so i feel like a pretty good yeah person to bring in yeah and I, I'm sure there's reasons, and I get it, and they don't want to, like, harp on, like, the bad stuff, but they've they've never really owned up to all the bad mm-hmm. stuff. They've definitely more been like, no, a lot of that stuff was blown out of proportion and, like, this, that, and the other. And if you go onto their website, they have a whole, like, <laughs> subsection, which you have to scroll to the very bottom of the page to find. Of course. Which is how you find the board and, like, the leadership and all that anyway. It's, no, it's not on any of the top links up at the top, like, all the other charities where they're very open and upfront about who works for them to go to the bottom and find it but there's a whole fraud like faq section and like even on that they're kind of like there's one where they're like this report from this year blah blah, blah said like 115 million dollars was spent on like blah, 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 bullshit bullshit and they're like false it was like 95 million dollars or something oh, and I'm like, I'm like oh fuck yourself what so again they're they're very they, they they've definitely tried to be like no a lot of that was like they were you know using false numbers or some of those weren't accurate and like this that and the other guys just own up to it just like you messed up Let's we move had on. the wrong people in charge mm-hmm. we're a new company you know something we have people looking forward doing the right thing exactly like, come on um, but again so s- since that has happened they have managed to regain some of the faith i guess after sort of that they're like because they were up in like the $500 million a year yeah. area. They like tanked and their donations oh. were down to 
Well, still a significant amount. Their donations were down to like two hundred and fifty-six million a year. Like very, they were going. They were just like tanking. I could imagine these people who are actually trying to do good are Mm -hmm. thinking that their money is being used to help them when it's being used to fund your parties. Exactly. They're not going to be okay with that. that Building. Yeah. A lot of their top donors pulled out. Like it was a. Yeah. It was a whole thing. But so they again they've they've re, they've managed to regain a lot of that faith. Um, their donations are sort of back up into that four hundred million a year plus area. They've actually expanded since then. I guess I guess prior to they they were doing but not a lot to help female veterans, and they weren't doing a lot for like mental health. Mm-hmm. And since all this, they've like ex- severely severely is a terrible word for that, but like they've expanded those programs to help more people. Some of the services they, they you know, they have, uh, which I sort of mentioned earlier, but just like some specific ones, you know, they, they have a soldier ride group where they basically provide like custom bicycles to veterans to sort of get them out and on the road oh, as part of their awesome. physical wellness, you know, like yeah. therapy stuff. Uh, they have a warriors to work program. It's one of their bigger programs where they try to help veterans who are returning to the workforce. You know, they help them work on like resumes and yeah. reach out to people yeah. and all sorts of things like those sort That's of skills. Great. Um, and then again, like I mentioned earlier, they have groups for pretty much every imaginable thing you could ever need after coming home. Yeah. You know, the mental health groups, they have, mm-hmm. you know, physical therapy groups, you know, they have, you know, so if you're trying to rehab and like all these things, they have people for that. They have specialists for that. They have groups for that. Like, yeah. Looking at their page and their site, they certainly do a lot to help people. And yeah. I would never take that away. But I just had to address the very big stain sort of glaring over the top of them you know what i mean and unfortunately i feel like quite a few of the larger ones do get taken advantage of i mean if you look at breast cancer awareness susan b susan b coleman coleman that was a huge one (sighs) yeah i mean i'll never donate to them no like (laughs) it just just leaves a bad taste in your mouth just like i don't the people around them are still, you know, they were saying yes. Yeah. They were like, oh, no, it's fine. We're not going to say yeah. anything because we don't want to get fired. Yeah. And those people are still around. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, mm, yeah, it's, I don't, it's just, um, yeah, you it sucks. lost our trust. Yeah. Uh, just a fun fact for you. Uh, I like Red Nose Day. They actually partner with streamers now. So you can actually connect. Like if you're a Twitch streamer or anything, you can actually, there's a, like a way to connect your stream to Wounded Warrior Project directly. And you can literally, like, people that are watching your Twitch stream, when they donate, it's literally donating directly to the Wounded Warrior Project. Oh, that's So awesome. that's pretty cool. And then just one of the others, like, a this is more like a inside thing for Brandy and I, but one of the things that really, like, it's it's like a passion project almost of mine. Like, one day I want to do this before I die. And I actually want to make a movie sort of, like, about, you know, like a wounded veteran. Yeah. But it's funny, uh, well, funny, how Wounded Warrior Project sort of got on my radar as a charity in the first place that I would potentially do Yeah, is I came across an article about a, it's a small group, I forget, like, the state it's in. It's still saved in my, like, you know, like, my bookmarks um, as, like, reference, but about a group who was partnered with Wounded Warrior Project that was basically doing, like, painting classes for wounded veterans that's awesome you know what i mean yeah. so like even if you didn't have arms even if no matter what the injury was like there was a painting like rehab class and sort of like you know helping you deal with the trauma of what happened to you through expressing it like through through that's paint amazing and learning to like sort of cope with it that way which is freaking I love awesome that. that's incredible i absolutely i love, I love that. to yeah yeah it's incredible 
all that being said, <laughs> I just want to end on like a sort of happy note, you know. All that being said, obviously it's up to you uh, whether or not you want to make the decision to donate to them or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I personally don't know if I would. I don't think it'd be wrong to do that. They seem no. to have turned around quite yes. a bit since then. Yes. But it just there's such a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? Just do your homework. Do, oh, well. Do your own research. Of too. course. And that being said, yeah, I'm going to give you some alternatives. Okay. But for that, you have to wait until next week because these guys 100% deserve their own spotlight for the amazing things they do. And I am not going to let this episode go into the two hour plus zone, which it <laughs> will if I talk about the, the other two that I want to talk about because <laughs> I, I have two for you. Um, but you'll have to wait until next week because it's going to be pretty in depth. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to discuss in terms of the history of that one and sort of like the things that they do. Um, so we're officially diving to our first two part episode. You're what? welcome. What, what I will tell you though, I will leave you with a sort of like little hint. It's not really a hint, I guess, uh, more like a teaser next week on sunshine and murder. I love the movie voice. The two charities that I'm going to be going over next week, both have four star ratings from charity navigator and a hundred percent scores on their accountability and transparency ratings. Uh, one of them actually has an a hundred percent score on their, um, like financial, uh, score as well the other one's like a 97.58 or something like that like it's it's stupid high which when you compare to i i think even what when Warrior project is now i think they're like in the 80s maybe mm. for financial and then i think somewhere around the same for like accountability yeah and, uh, i think they're actually a little high i think they're in the 90s now for accountability because of everything that happened but yeah but yeah so the the two that i'm going to be discussing next week are super high super high up there and but yeah it, it, Next week, uh, not this week, but next week, I already I have a, I have a bunch of links for you guys. I really hope you go to the website and look at these links because <laughs> I put stupid amounts of work into like finding these. But next week, if you go look at some of these links, I promise you, you will be crying the rest of the day. I when I was finding these, I I I had to pull myself away and get back to the actual research part of the story. Yeah, because. I was in tears watching like video after video after video of them helping people. But, uh, but yeah, that's all I got for this week. Um, it, this originally, I was going to go over all three of them and I was going to do sort of everything in like a quick, like give it its own, like little the quick 30 minutes. But, uh, when I saw this negative sort of thing hanging over wounded warrior project, I feel like that really needed to be addressed. Yes. But next week I'm going to only give you good stuff. And it's going to feel so good. And you're going to be happy until you watch the videos. And then you're going to be happy, sad, like happy tears. <laughs> happy crying. tears. Yeah, exactly. That's all I got. I'm excited. Let's see it. And you know what next week is? Hmm. Episode 10. Oh, man. That's going to be a good episode 10, too. I don't know what I'm going to do. You haven't decided yet? No. No. I'm, I might have to go through, like, true crime all the time or unsolved. Oh, and pick one of their stories. Just be like, hmm, which one? They do some night. Nice, they do some good ones. I have an idea. And some good ones. True all crime all the ones. time kills. All it. good ones. I, I will look if I'm going to well, shout then, out well, any. With the exception, and I have to say exception Uh-oh. because the first um, Gibby was in the first episode. Uh huh. But I think two and three he wasn't because at first they were going to do like a different host each time or then Bad like. Call. But then it just turned into Mike and Gibby together the whole the time, way it should and be. it was great. The, the and, way it should be. I love it. 
Yeah, if I'm ever going to shout out a true crime podcast, it will forever and always be true crime all the time. Yes. Period. They were the second podcast I listened to. Really? Because there was one <laughs> other that I found before, but it was very scripted. Yeah. Which was fine because they were... <coughs> no, it was not. It was very scripted, which was fine because it was story. Okay. There weren't no reactions and stuff. But then one episode, mm -hmm. and it was early on, they did a reaction kind of thing where it was like trying to mm. have banter between the two, and you could tell it was scripted, and I was like, ooh, no, I don't like no, this. No, I can't do that. I don't like this anymore. Like, the stories they told, they even had like voice actors. So oh, they wow. Could, like, okay. Do the voices of That's different cool. characters and stuff. So that was cool, but then, yeah, they tried to do the whole like back and forth. And back that. and forth, and no. And then I found true crime all the time, and I've been listening ever since. Hard to fault you for that. Yes, because they're great. That's the one that she turns on in the car, and I'm like fully invested. I'm like, yes. okay, what's up? What's Any happening? of the other ones, and he either barely listens or turns it off. Yeah, I'll like hear every other sentence or like yeah. every other couple sentences. That being said, yes. Follow us on all the socials at Sunshine and Murder Podcast, unless you're Twitter, and then it's Sun and Murder Pod. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yep. see, I'm getting these down. Yeah. Uh, you can shoot us an email, and I promise I'll respond to it eventually, maybe, um, at sunshineandmurderpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Shoot us an email. Mm -hmm. uh, let us know what murders you want to hear about. Let us know what good people are doing good things. I'm happy to reach out and talk to some people. Let us know how much you dislike us. Yeah. Let well, us know how let much, us know you, how much you dislike Brandy. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear nothing but praise and appreciation. Well, no one can have anything but praise and appreciation for you. <laughs> I just I just threw up for everyone uh, listening to the podcast. Don't worry, you guys don't have to. I took care of it. I I rolled also. Um, <laughs> it's not my fault. It's true. It's a fight between us all the time. It's, all like, time. it's like a praise fight. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's all the socials, right? Yes. Someone comment on something for the love Please. of God. <laughs> we have listeners. I know they're out there. I see the analytics. We know go, people are listening. Comment on something. Review us on Apple Music. Uh, we're on Apple Music, Spotify. Apple Music? Apple Podcasts? Oh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's actually really funny. <laughs> we're dropping songs now. <laughs> DJ Mikey Mike and Brand. Brand. What do you want to, you want to, to be? Uh, Brandy T. <laughs> Brandy T and Mikey Mike. Yep. Let's do it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to auto-tune our podcasts and re-release them as albums. Yep. I'm so in. We're, we're going to do it. I'm going to keep ranting until you tell me to stop, basically, That's at this fine. point. <laughs> uh, no, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on Spotify, Stitcher. I mean, what else are we on? We're on uh, Google, Podcasts. Google Podcasts. I'm done. See you guys next week. For a very long episode. Or two. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll see what happens. What happens? I'll find out when you find out. Yes. See you guys next week. Bye.